If you would turn to James chapter 1, I don't know if I'm going to get through all my notes here um, tonight. Uh, you'll understand what this pile is I have in a moment, but I actually only have, I actually only have uh, four points, but uh, this, this, this is very important and it's not just, you know, empty paper. There is, there is stuff here, but James chapter 4 and in this relaxed setting, I'm going to have a seat because um, it's been a long day, a long week, but um, a, lot of, a lot of things going on. But I want us to be, um, we're going to start here in James, we're going to go to another passage in a moment. But tonight, I want us to take a moment to really ask ourselves some questions. And I'm going to go to a passage that's very familiar um, with you very familiar with me. It's something that I constantly pray um, for myself and for you as a church, um, for my kids. And you'll understand that when we get to it. But I want us to ask two questions when we look at this verse. What's good about it and what's bad about it? James chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 21, give us a whole view, but then we'll um, read on. Verse 21 says this, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. You know, it's amazing how we could, um, and I mentioned it this morning in Psalm 15, how it talks about our actions, our, our, our lifestyle, and our lips need to match. And, and so often we can be doers of the word, uh, be hearers of the word, and not do it. Um, so often I think that that's a struggle with churches today, uh, Christians today, not just churches. We have a lot of head knowledge, but that head knowledge is not lived out. Um, you know, I know this, I can memorize, I can quote all these scriptures. And that's one of the things I pray for my kids as well is, one of the most effective ministries out there for children is Awana. And I think of the number of verses that my kids have memorized is just is just awesome. Uh, probably can outquote some verses th- than I can. My daughter, Erin, uh, her life verse is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, you know, it talks about the return of Christ. And, I mean, that's her life first. And mine is John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. You know, I got the, but the reality is not just hearing those words, but doing it applying those words. So the reason I bring this passage up and we're going to read a little bit further is as we look at tonight, I want us to listen to what God's word says and I want us to apply it and I want us to to live it out. So let's let's continue here. Verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. What's the good and bad about looking in the mirror? And we're going we're gonna to translate this into our lives. Looking in the mirror of God's word. And it says, it gives you the analogy. It's like looking in the mirror um, and not, you know, seeing what needs to be changed. You need to put that, and I'm going to put this in, in personal or human 
description here and you translate it spiritually, you can do that. I know you can. You're a smart crowd. But it's like waking up in the morning, looking at what needs to be done. If it's comb the hair for those who have hair, if it's wash the face, get the sleep out of the eyes. If it's brush your teeth, if it's shave, whatever that is, looking in the mirror and saying, I need to do this. And then just walking away and not doing it. And then the same thing the next day, looking in the mirror, seeing what needs to be done. Not doing it and walking away. And then the next day. And then the next. And then I, let me not even put it to the day. But how many more times now, don't answer this, ladies, but some men are this way too. But how many times throughout the day do you look in the mirror? And you fix your makeup. You comb your hair. You do fill in the blank. God's speaking here spiritually, looking into his word. Weekend and week out, we are in God's word on Sunday. You cannot deny the fact that Grace Baptist Church preaches God's word. Amen? You cannot deny the fact that what you're going to hear from the pulpit is God's word. And I would have to say for those of you who go to Sunday school, you hear it in God's word. You hear God's word there. Sunday night, you hear God's word. A lot of times in our prayer meeting on Wednesday nights, you're hearing God's word. That is a side of hopefully your personal time. So what is the good and the bad of hearing God's word and not changing? Looking in the mirror, and seeing what needs to be changed, but not doing it. What's the good and the bad? Anybody? Carl, you got your hand up. But I wonder how many Fonzies are in our churches today who don't think they need to change. Anyone else? What's what's good and what's bad? Okay, the, there is there is some good to it. They are looking into into the Word. They are seeing that. Okay, so the bad would be that they it it's not making an impact on them. Anyone else? Patty. I think that if you're looking in the Word and you've asked the Lord to show you what He wants you to learn from that passage that day, whatever mm-hmm. it is, He will. And I think if, if, if that happens, and it's happened to me, sometimes I've just been hit, and it, I do a 180. Not all the time, yeah. but sometimes a real big one comes along that just turns my thinking Dave Geyer uses this word, uh, 100-watt experience, where the light comes on. You know, how many of you have read a verse 
20, 30, 40 times, and then all of a sudden, wow, I know what that means now. It really applies to me. You know, it's a 100-watt experience. You know, the good, the good is we are looking in, 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 into God's Word, but how bad it is in our spiritual walk when we are just listening and hearing. And I believe we our hearts become hardened when we constantly listen, listen, hear, hear, but we don't change. I believe we become an Elvis, or not an Elvis, but I, I look at you and I think of Elvis. Sorry, it's, it's, a, it's your singing style, but a, a Fonzie. What else? Just looking in those things, what's good and bad about it? Carol. So part of it is we're sinning. Do we grasp that? Do we allow that to sink in? When we know God wants us to do something and we don't do it, we're sinning. I'm just going to let that set. Let that absorb. I'm not for, for all of us. I think it's a great reminder. Anyone else? Good or bad? Uh, Tim. Bad is what? Stealing. Okay. Yeah. That I might not. Can we hide God's word in our heart and still sin? So there is a responsibility for us with that. I mean, you could have the whole Old Testament memorized or the New Testament or this and that and still be on your way to hell. Let me put, just be blunt there. You can't. You know, the knowledge part of it does not save you. Reg. You know what? I think that brings it back. Let me take a spiritual spin on that, Reg, if I can. I think that brings it back to what Patty says. And I'm going to say the Holy Spirit is that spotlight that lightens us, lightens things up. Because so often we can read through things and then, boom, man, it brings out those imperfections. It's it. My wife, we're in the process of remodeling our bathroom, and I've been doing that and um, trying to choose the right paint color to match the tile that I just put down. And one of the things she said is, we can't determine inside here in the bathroom. It's a six-by-five bathroom. It's not that big. Um, uh, but she goes, the lighting is horrible in here. We need to have better lighting to determine what colors to do. And that's so important. We need to allow God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, to enlighten us in reading His Word. But there's still, in seeing those imperfections, what are we going to do about it? Anyone else? Good or bad? Patty.
judges. One after another after another. And then on the way home, I heard Chuck Swindoll on the radio, and it hit me like a hammer in the head. And all of a sudden, all those pieces fell into place. But I think the Lord worked it out over a period of time. I think we, we talked about the good and the bad of this. Um, with the good, um, and someone mentioned about looking into the mirror is the first step. Um, here's another good part, and we're going to relate this spiritually. Do we come to God's house, to God's word, with a heart of anticipation? Wanting to hear from him, wanting and willing to change I wonder, myself included, how often we we go to God's word just out of obligation or out of um, tradition. Oh, I read through the Bible this year. Nothing's wrong with that. But what did you get out of it? Did it change your life? If it didn't change your life, it's just head knowledge. It's just a checklist. It should change your life. I wonder if God's economy saying, okay, I didn't go to God, I didn't go through the Bible this year, but I studied this book and I, it changed my life. You know, if I only looked at two verses today, but it's two verses that transformed my life for serving for him. That's what God wants. That's what his desire is for us. That we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers. And now that was only just the opening to get your mind thinking about where we were going. And I know you're going to think, where does this have to do with what my next question is? I want you to answer this question. What is your purpose in life? Not as a church not as a group, but individually, what is your purpose? Why has God saved you, and what is he doing in your life? What is your purpose? Anybody know that answer? For for yourself. It's going to be different. Um, we've, we've heard, read, shared tonight, some of those individuals who God has a purpose in using what they've, uh, baseball abilities and so forth, and God has taken that and directed it to score international and reaching people for Christ. That, that's a part of their... But what is your purpose? I want to hear from people tonight. You know, Genesis chapter... Oh, okay, the, the chapter just left me. But in Genesis, one of the commands, and it's for us today, is to be be fruitful and multiply. Does that mean that after we get to that point of being fruitful and multiply, that life is done? That our purpose is over? Most of us here at that age um, are at that age that we're not too much uh, fruitful. and We're not multiplying any further. But the reality is that's not just the physical thing that we should be fruitful and multiply. It's also the spiritual that we should be be being fruitful and multiplying. So tell me. Not everyone at once, but what is your purpose? Why are you here? Yes.
So one of the purpose, your purpose, you would say, is to share Christ. Okay, using the abilities you have. Okay, anyone else? What would what would you say? This is my purpose, Tim. To be strong witnesses. Weakness. Okay. Witness. Okay. Strength, strengths, and weaknesses. Okay. Hugh. What would you consider your... I have two purposes. I do no thing that causes my brother to stumble. That's outward. Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's Okay. Yeah. I, I try to live my life. Okay. Good. A good purpose to have, not to do anything to, to, to cause brothers to, to stumble, um, your relationship with others, and um, to all, everything you do upwardly, to, to, for God's glory. Anyone else? What's your What is your purpose? Should we have a purpose? Warren. Well, I want to know the Lord better every day. Uh, the whole purpose in reading the Word of God is to get to know Him and what He loves and what He hates. <coughs> Most people don't know what He loves. So a purpose would be to know God more, to love him more, to, as you put, hate what he hates and love what he loves. Okay. Yes, I would believe that's his purpose in our lives is to conform us to his to his image and, you know, things that we go through. But our desire would be, uh, our purpose would want to be the same thing, to be to m- be more like Christ. Anyone else? Yeah. Yes. To show the love of Christ and keep in mind what how much he's loved us. Yes.
Do you know that in this room of 50 people or how many are here, um, God has given us, and, and we're going to go to the other realm in a minute, but God has given us, and I'm going to be very particular about the word I use, God has given us abilities. God has given us areas that we're strong in, areas that things we like to do. If it's, you know, working in construction, um, you know, uh, directing and guiding people, being a nurse, uh, all those he's given us as abilities. Um, for those who can sing, uh, for all those things are abilities. And how we use those um, with the purpose and focus of glorifying God. And that is one of those specific reasons and purposes for our life. God has given you that ability um, for a reason. My daughters now are playing volleyball, uh, just finished playing volleyball and playing basketball. One of the things I constantly remind them, if you play or if you don't, if you sit on the bench or, or, you know, or you're out there playing, whatever you do, and someone says, do all to the glory of God. And I, I wanted to tell them, I said, you know, it, we've watched facing the Giants together. And it says, no matter win or lose, we're going to glorify God. And it's the ability that God has given them in this athletic area, but it could be your um, physical area. It could be your area of, of, of being like my wife, who's really, really smart and, and able to use that ability. Um, one of her purposes in homeschooling our kids um, is to use that ability that God has given her to guide and direct our kids and to impact them for eternity. And that is a called purpose that we have, um, as my wife and I have prayed, and a desire that God has, has laid upon her life. And I will tell you without a shadow of a doubt, that was not. I mean, she used to lead the math department at Highlands. That was not something that was in our plans at all. Until my daughter went through leukemia and couldn't go to school and needed to be homeschooled. And God used that experience to direct us towards that way. And I will tell you without a shadow of a doubt, that's exactly where I know God wants us and what he wants us to do. I'm not saying for anyone else. I'm saying for, but it's the same for you. The experiences that you have, the things that you have gone through, God uses those. Just as, as it is with athletics, if it's in construction or whatever, God wants you to use those for those opportunities to glorify him, to shine his light, to show the love of Christ. And I can go on and on, but do you really have a purpose in this life? God has called you. God has saved you for a purpose individually. And not everyone's answered here. Some of us are still probably thinking about what is my purpose? Is my purpose to be a school teacher? Is my purpose to be, you know, the best father I can be or the best mother I, I could be or the best pastor I can be? What is my purpose? I really want you to, to, to absorb that question. Because the next question I'm going to ask you is impacted by you answering that first question. What is the purpose of us as a church? If we individually do not know our purpose and why we are here and what God has called us to do, then we corporately as the body of Christ cannot know or will not fit together in that purpose. So I think those two are so tied together. And I believe it's so important that we understand that we are um, glorifying God with our lives. 
And I use that word and I started off with our purpose about being fruitful and multiply in, in a comical way to get you past thinking that I really don't have much of a purpose anymore. But that, spiritually speaking, is, is one of our greatest purposes as believers in Christ. Is to make other believers, to, to witness, to make disciples. We've talked about that passage before. And to teach others and help others who are to grow. I'm going to ask uh, Phil, if they're awake up there, um, to put up, this is the, the purpose statement when I was a youth pastor here at Grace Baptist Church. This was my youth, this was my purpose statement as the youth group. And it says, Solid Rock Youth Ministries exists to evangelize teenagers. We wanted, our purpose, one of the things we wanted to do was reach people for Christ. And to equip and empower them to minister. To give them the tools to be able to share their faith, to grow, to equip and empower them to minister to others, to help make disciples in an atmosphere where they can exalt Christ, where they desire to, their life, every part of it was going to glorify God, to exalt Christ and to enjoy other believers. Fellowship is so important with brothers and sisters in Christ. And those were the things that we focused on when we wanted to get into an area. What were we doing? Is this an evangelistic outreach? Is this um, something that we're helping make disciples? Uh, What are we doing? What is our purpose in this activity, in this thing? And some of you who are elders here know exactly what I'm talking about because we're in the midst of trying to determine what our purpose is as Grace Baptist Church. The next slide I'll pull up here, you hopefully will recognize our purpose. And Warren has already known it. It's in the front of your bulletin. Our purpose is to glorify God by producing disciples who love, worship, and obey him while demonstrating the character of Christ as they lead people to Jesus and minister to one another in love. Now, that's a lot. But is that your individual purpose? Are you, is your purpose determining to reach people for Christ, to help people grow, to reach out, to love and show that love, to make disciples, to worship God? Are you worshiping God? Are you obeying Him? You never thought your purpose was that big, did you? All of these things are... Uh, tied in together with your individual purpose as a believer in Jesus Christ, but also our purpose as a church. If we know what our purpose is and we know where we want to go and what we're trying to accomplish in all the different ministries here at Grace Baptist Church, we're going to be a lot more effective. If we're all unified and on the same page, we're going to be a lot more effective for Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to discuss this because it's on the forefront of my mind because we've been praying and thinking about this as elders and we've been talking about it. But there's four P's, and we're almost out of time, but there's four things, and you can write these down and and meditate on them later. But there's four things. What is your purpose? What is your purpose? Second of all, do you have a passion for that purpose? Do you have a passion for that purpose? Is that purpose really a part of your life? Do you center your choices, your decisions, your lifestyle around that? What about us as a church? Is that is that purpose our passion? 
First Peter chapter four, verse 10 and 11. You don't have to turn there, but I love this. It says here, as each one has received a gift, minister to to it one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom we belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Two things we need to realize in that passage in First Peter. Whatever ability, whatever gift, those are different things that God has given you. You are to use it. And not in your own strength. It says in His strength. The strength that He has given you. And you use it not for your own, hey, look what I look like in this mirror. But for God's glory. So our purpose, our passion, our preparation. You wondered why I had all this together? I won't go down the line, but I can look at Sharon Warner and I can tell her what her spiritual gifts are. And I can sit there and say, Sharon, are you using your spiritual gifts? God's given you those for a purpose. And he wants you to use those spiritual gifts because it edifies the body, it glorifies God, it strengthens the body. So in preparation, I have probably 90% of the people in this room that have taken their spiritual gift test. And it's a good indicator to direct you in an area of a ministry to how to use those. And again, I say spiritual gifts are different than abilities. Playing basketball is not a spiritual gift. Being in, our, uh, a, um, in the construction is not a spiritual gift. Sarcasm is not a spiritual gift. Though some are better at it than others. No pun intended. Anyways, but those are not spiritual gifts. And so often we, we even say, oh man, she has a great spiritual gift of singing. Singing is, is ability. It's not a spiritual gift. Let me give you a quick overview. There's nine spiritual gifts that we believe that are, are, are uh, given today. Evangelism, prophecy, and be careful how you, that, that's teaching, um, t- relating God's word out there. Teaching, exhortation, pastor, shepherd, showing mercy, serving, giving, and administration. Those are spiritual gifts. Do you realize that as the body... Of Christ, if we're not using those gifts, it affects the rest of the body. It affects the purpose that we have. It affects the purpose that you have. Do you know your spiritual gift? If I went from here all the way around and asked you, what is your spiritual gift? Some of you would be offended at me. But how do you use it if you don't know what it is? As a pastor, and Pastor Brian could tell you the same thing. I have so often known people who are in areas of ministry that it's not their area of spiritual gifts. That is why I'm so hesitant so often when they want people announcing things from the pulpit. Oh, we need help in this area. We want this. We want this. And sometimes we put a Band-Aid on something. And you want to know why people burn out? 
because they're in an area that they're not gifted to. Because they're, or they're doing it in their own strength. God's the one that gives that strength. And God's the one that gives you. So I ask you, have you, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Mine are teaching and administration. Those are my two main ones. That is my life. It is, it is directed around that. My wife comes home and says, Steve, you're still using your, your spiritual gifts at home. You're still trying to administer and teach and everything. Else. I said, yeah, I can't get away from that. That is who I am. That is who God has made me. But I want to use it for his glory and his, his honor. You're not going to see me. Uh, now, pastor says he doesn't show much mercy. He knows that's not his, his spiritual gift. Do you know yours? And are you using it? And I will tell you, and I'm going to stop here and, and, and just let you know, if you have not, or if you have and you forgot it, I've got the list. But if you have not taken your spiritual gift test, you can go on our website. It's on our website. And I'm going to give you this no cost to you. Go to our website at gbcfl.org. And on there, go under Members. And it's going to say their spiritual gift test. And you put in this password, GBCFL, all in capitals. And you can take the spiritual test right there. It doesn't cost you anything. We won't charge you anything. And what it does is it will give you an explanation of those top three gifts that you have, how you can use them. And it will also send me a copy so I can be more effective as a pastor to get you involved in those areas. Because if we have a purpose, and we have a passion with that purpose, we need to be prepared using those spiritual gifts and growing in those areas. Last but definitely not least, not only a purpose, not only a passion, not only being prepared in this area of spiritual gifts, but perseverance. This is where I think a lot of our churches are struggling. They can attest, attest to it tonight if you look around. Where is the perseverance? And I'm not saying, oh, those that come on Sunday nights are better Christians than those that come on Sunday morning only. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be that judge, and I'm not going to judge them. Right, Patty? We're not going to do that because there's a variety of different things that are going on. And I tell you, my wife's not here tonight. My kids aren't here tonight. They're worn out from serving all afternoon. And I don't say that to, to toot their horn, but I say that as an example. Just because someone's not here tonight doesn't mean they're not spiritual. But I say that to say, how many people do we know that are not persevering in their Christian walk. That are not still faithful. That are not still leaning on God. Sat up here this morning, a great crowd here this morning, good number of visitors and, and having all these young people here and everything. And it ran through my mind, as it did when I many times since I was when I got saved at age of 16, how many of this, my youth group was about 200, 
First Baptist Jacksonville, where I got saved, about 200 in our youth group. Where are they? Are they persevering? Are they still serving God? Are they in ministry? Are they even going to church anywhere? Where have they led their family and directed them? Where's that perseverance? I think that last point, perseverance, is all impacted by the other three. By not having a passion, by not having a purpose, and not being prepared by using your spiritual gifts. We started off with James chapter 1. For a purpose. I'm going to be so redundant here. But for a reason. I want us to evaluate ourselves. I want us to look into the mirror. And really ask ourselves. Do we have a purpose? Are we doing it? Is it just written out on a slide? Is it just written on our bulletin? Because it's a catchy sign or catchy word or we have a passion and we're moving forward with that and we're using our gifts and we're persevering. Looking in the mirror, what do I see? Will I walk away? Or will I change? With His strength and power and by His grace. Don't do it on your own. First three years of my Christian life at the age of 16 through the age of 19. Probably the most frustrating years of my Christian life. Because I tried to do it on my own in my own strength. And I failed miserably. I almost gave up on this Christian thing because of it. No one was there to tell me that you've got to rely on God. So don't try to do it on your own. Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. And Lord, as we've looked into it, and as we've discussed some of the purposes that you have for each and every one of us, for the purpose that you have for us as a church. Statements that we've made that I believe come right out of Scripture. But Lord, I pray that you would, to each one of us, as we look into this mirror, that we would look and use the light of your Holy Spirit to show us where we need to change when we need to change, and how to change. For your glory, not for our own. That we would have a passion about what you have a passion for. For the lost. For making disciples, helping others grow. For using those spiritual gifts. You gave them to us for a reason, and it wasn't to waste them but to use them for your glory. And Lord, in your power, may we persevere. 
for your honor and for your glory. Go with us as we go from here. Continue to work in our hearts and our lives as we meditate on this, as we chew on it, as we absorb the nutrition's of your nutrition of your word. Feed us. Minister to us. It's in your name we pray.